What are our favorite fantasy football draft strategies for 2023? It's time to break it down right here and right now as we get another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm one of your co-hosts, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for the Sporting News. Yeah, and I'm Michelle. I am a researcher for NFL Network, and I'm a fantasy analyst on NFL.com. Yeah, together we're going to try to make you the smartest player in your fantasy football league. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Fantasy football, this is your destination to become the smartest player in your league. We're part of Locked On Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, Michelle, we have a really fun show today. We're going to break down our individual draft strategies that might have some crossover and we might share some opinions on this. We might differ, and it might change from year to year. So, Michelle, uh, break down uh, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so I, in our first segment, we're going to get into our quarterback strategy, uh, whether we like to take quarterbacks early, maybe middle of the draft or late and wait for the quarterback. Second segment, we'll get into kind of our running back draft stat strategy. I, I'm really interested to hear about yours. If you're that zero RB guy or you like taking those running backs early, there is a big divider here in the fantasy community when it comes to how you draft your running backs. And then we'll end the show talking about how we kind of approach the tight end defense and kicker uh, position to close out. Just a really good talk between the two of us when it comes to how we draft our fantasy teams. Yeah, and uh, we'll start with quarterback and uh, we'll look at, the options here. We know there's three elite options that we're going after in the first tier. In most cases, you have uh, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. That seems to be the consensus top tier. You're looking at the average draft position right now. Pretty high. We know Mahomes is going to go higher than where the industry is ranking him in the 30s. He's going as 16th overall in half-point PPR. Right now, you have Allen and Hurts uh, kind of interchangeable at 22 and 23. So, what do you think, Michelle? Is that a place where you're going to pull the trigger that high in the second round for one of those quarterbacks? No, I'm not. So I will say before we get into any strategy, I really do like to go into drafts without like a set, like without a mind set of like, I have to go this route with these positions because you never know who's going to be there, or which players might fall when you're on the clock. But I do know I'm not aiming to get Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or Jalen Hurts this year. They're going to be amazing, right? Like, I'm not like if you take them, you're going to be okay. And at least you have a guy that you know you can plug in every week and they're going to be great. It's more just the fact they don't give you that same advantage when you have to spend such an early draft pick on them than when you find a guy later on that ends up overproducing what they're supposed to do with their draft costs. So I'm going to stay away from those guys this year, which really hurts me 
which is kind of a funny wordplay there because the last two years, my strategy has been to take Jalen Hurts because he was going way too low. And but now everyone, you know, he, he broke out last year. So he's going too early now. Yeah, that's funny. The only time I've had Patrick Mahomes, strangely enough, was his 2018 MVP season. But I didn't draft him necessarily as my starter. I had Andrew Luck. I waited a while uh, looking for a rebound quarterback, and then I ended up starting Mahomes the whole season, and he had a big year. So sometimes I stumble into that quarterback later. And you're right, Jalen Hurts was a great value a couple of years ago. He was still a good value last year, but when the price gets too high for these quarterbacks, that's when I'm out. Like I can find some better values, and we talked about some of them, right? Two guys we have differing opinions on, but still very good fancy quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. Would we rather wait for that tier? Even Lamar Jackson is getting some buzz here in the new offense. So do we want to invest this high and then give up on a potential wide receiver one? Do we want to give up on an RB2 that has a lot of upside? I don't think so. I think it's a little bit too early. And I typically, Michelle, I am not a person who goes after a quarterback early. I think I'm old school in that way. I've won in different ways when I've uh, just streamed random quarterbacks. Sometimes it's burned me where I waited too long in particular leagues and I don't get that sleeper target I'm looking for late. But sometimes it's worked out really nicely where I tend to play the platoon game. So this is something you talked about a little bit where you draft that quarterback late, but then get an option behind him. It worked that year when I took luck in Mahomes. So I, people will say streaming. I prefer to say platoon where I have two guys and I play the matchups. I like that. I have, that's how I used to draft quite often. I found over the last couple years, I do like to take a player I feel comfortable with that will score a lot of points. And like I said, over the last two years, that was Jalen Hurts. Three years ago, it was Josh Allen. They weren't going super late, but they weren't going er early either. And I feel like, so I did say I like to go into drafts without a strategy, right? But at the same time, I feel like I'm going into these drafts knowing I really want Justin Herbert this year because I think he can perform the way that Josh Allen and Mahomes can while being a few rounds later. Because when you look at Josh Allen this year, Mahomes or Hurts, you have to take those guys over Tony Pollard, over Amon Ross St. Brown, over Jalen Waddle, like really amazing players that can help your fantasy team so much. And just a few rounds later with Justin Fields or, or uh, Justin Herbert, either of those two guys, you're picking them over like a Damian Pierce, a Terry McLaurin, a DJ Moore, still good players, but not those difference makers like I was talking about before. And I think that gap is just so huge, especially when you, if you're, if you think Fields or Herbert or, you know, a guy that you like Lawrence can perform similar, similar, to what Mahomes is putting up this year. Yeah, and it's really the difference, right? Are you getting that value in relation to that player? Is that player giving that big of an advantage over the next player quarterbacks, the so-called wins above replacement, if you want to say for fantasy football, are you getting that much advantage at that position? I think you also have to weigh what league you're in, obviously. If you're in a two QB league, you want to jump on that QB fast and make sure you have one of those big name guys and you do it. If you're in a 10 team league, you might go after a quarterback because it could give you an advantage because there's only nine other starters, right? So it, there could be a big separation there, but maybe you're in a deeper league and you can't afford to do that. I think the deeper you go in a league, if you go 12 team, I'm in a 14 teamer, less and less inclined I'm to go after a quarterback early because it's such an opportunity cost where you miss out, like as you mentioned, on some really good players at other positions. Then you're scrambling for depth at the other spots where we know 
that's what happens, right? With quarterbacks, there's always someone on the waiver wire we can go after. I mean, did we think Daniel Jones and Geno Smith <laughs> were going to have QB1 value last year? But that's what happened, right? Yeah, and it's so much about the quarterback play comes down, especially for those streaming guys, just comes down to the matchup that week. I mean, how many times was like Jared Goff was an obvious play if he was at home against an easy defense, but you couldn't start Jared Goff every week. You could only start him in the good matchups, but every week there's going to be quarterbacks playing against an easier team and nice weather in a dome. Like you're going to be able to find those and it could be the worst of the worst quarterbacks, but all of them have good games once in a while. That's why they're in the NFL, right? So if you can find those matchups, that's what's huge. That's why it's not as important to be drafting these guys early because you will always be able to find those quarterbacks on the waiver wire that have those good matchups that are going to give you the the possibility of them scoring 20 points that week. Yeah, and the rankings always seem to be off, right? We look at it and we think, okay, this is a pretty solid top 12, but then like we look at last year, just people come out of nowhere. And then one league I had Jalen Hurts and I won it. And then another league I had Geno Smith and I won it. So <laughs> you can win in different ways. I think also know where you're drafting. Like it would make sense if somebody's letting a quarterback drop a little bit that you don't expect into the third or fourth round, then you jump on that elite quarterback. But yeah, always uh, keep your head on a swivel. As Michelle said, don't go in with one locked in strategy because not only does it change from year to year, it changes from draft to draft. You don't know what pick you're going to have if you're doing a draft lottery and a snake draft. You have to just kind of go with the flow and figure out where the best values are. So really, just with any other position, you're going after the best value in relation to the field here and uh, trying to maximize that position where quarterback is a little bit easier to do, right? You're only starting one in most leagues, so you can look at it that way. And again, we can always start two over the course of the season. Totally with you there. All right. So we both decided we're, uh, I guess we're leaning on the QB late side. Should, should I feel we like it's more on QB middle stuff? side. You know, middle I don't like, side. I don't okay, want to like wait that. too late. Middle yeah. Side, yeah. QB don't middle. block into either, but QB early seems a little too expensive, a little bit uh, too late, might be also bad. So we're kind of in the Goldilocks just right type of uh, tier here at quarterback. So we'll, we'll call it that. And we'll look at running backs here. Running backs, a little bit more controversial with the strategy. I don't think we're far off with our quarterback strategy. We'll look at that in our next segment here. I told you at the top that this episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And really, it is the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're not playing it, uh, this is the best time to do it. We know we're waiting for preseason games and action in the NFL. But now it's a good time to take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. And you can get 10 times their first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a particular game. It's all an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly on FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet on MLB than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball and a proud sponsor here of Locked On Fantasy Football. All right, Michelle, it's uh, time to talk running back, and we might differ on this strategy. It just, again, depends from year to year. We've got three different strategies that you can employ. The trendy thing that the kids are all doing, the zero running back, and uh, just waiting and waiting on running back. Then the new trend was hero, where 
you go after one early, and okay, we have a dominant RB1, so we're going to wait. There's a lot of attrition at this position. We'll plug in, play RB2 and flex with different guys, and then you can go old school. This is the approach that uh, when I started playing fantasy football, you had to do. You had to grab two running backs right away or your team is dead, and you wouldn't uh, last. But we know the game has changed. There's not as many workhorse backs, so I'll uh, leave it to you first, Michelle. Uh, where do you kind of lean here? There's three tiers of strategies. So I have far too much anxiety to go with the whole zero RB <laughs> RB route. Like I, I would be sweating throughout the draft if I was waiting on a running back for too long. I am a big, big hero RB drafter. I really like having that one centerpiece. It doesn't mean you have to take them in the first round, but first or second round, if I, you know, I love a guy later in the second round, like a Tony Pollard, but I want that guy who I think can be a top three running back in fantasy that season to just be in my RB one spot all year long. Hopefully he doesn't get injured, but then for my RB two spot, I really am fine. Just figuring that out, piecing it together throughout the season. So I like to load up on my wide receivers or maybe, you know, take a tight end, take a quarterback kind of in those middle rounds before I come back to then loading up on some different running backs that I can kind of mix and match throughout the year to fill that RB two spot. Yeah. For me, it kind of depends where I'm drafting again. And I, sometimes I don't rule out the heavy RB. I mean, that's my old school mentality coming out, but say you're in a snake draft here and you're picking 12th, right? And you look, Oh, great. Uh, Maybe Nick Chubb and maybe somebody's concerned about Jonathan Taylor or Josh Jacobs and they're sitting there. Like it would be hard for me to reject a Chubb (laughs) Jacobs backfield, right? If that came to it on the turn, like if that's the best value and I feel confident that I can find a better value at wide receiver a little bit later. So that's something to consider that I'm also good, right? Then I don't have to think about this. I don't have to sweat this position at all. When I have two guys that I can plug and play every week, I'm just looking to look at a flex play at some point at running back at the most. So, and then it's easy. You handcuff these guys, you're in business. So I think there is a way that you still can do the heavy running back, but again, look at the value of these players. Don't just jump on one strategy or another. I think it's easier to play hero for me if I can get one of those absolute studs that I feel great about. And I tried to play hero last year, but it can also backfire, right? I had Jonathan Taylor in one draft. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to play hero. (laughs) And then uh, I ended up with zero (laughs) at running back. So it can be really tough here. So do you consider that as well, the level of the hero of the RB1? I mean, it's so hard with running backs because there's so many injuries as of late. I mean, you just said Jonathan Taylor. With the two years before that, it was Christian McCaffrey. You were happy to have the 101 because you're like, I get Christian McCaffrey, and then he destroyed you both years. It, it just feels like the running backs right now – most of them do not make it throughout the whole year or they're splitting a backfield more than you thought they're going to. So it's really hard with this running back position right now. I actually have the opposite thought as you though, when you said, if I had a later pick in the first round, that's where I'm definitely going wide receivers because the top, top guys are off the board at running back. And then you can get other guys I think are very equal to Nick Chubb or Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley at the end of the second round, instead of having to take them at the first round. Like I, I don't really like that zone of the Nick Chubbs and the Josh Jacobs there at the late first, because you can grab a Stefan Diggs or Devonte Adams or uh, one of those top tier wide receivers there. And I'm kind of in that boat, but unlike you, I would be the opposite where if I had the one one 
maybe CMC, Bijan Robinson, one of those guys. And then at the one, two, two, twelve, Tony Pollard sitting there. Those could be guys that end as the one Oh one and the one Oh two overall as yes. fantasy players. That's where I think could be the difference maker. So I might consider going heavy RB there, but Again, the, just talking through this, so much of it just depends on how the board lands. So I don't want to be like, don't do this. But um, if you can really hit on that top tier running back and then go, you know, hit on some wide receivers and just fill in those RB2 spots as it goes, that is my favorite formula throughout the season. Doesn't mean it always works out with injuries, though. If your hero RB gets injured, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, that's the concern about that strategy. It's good to have depth as much as possible and try to go after the values. Now, how I kind of also consider running back is where does that line drop off? And I look at the average draft position here. Two guys that we kind of uh, bang the table here for that we like to running back. Ramondre Stevenson, right now his ADP is 26 and a half point PPR, according to Fantasy Pros, 27 for Najee Harris. But then you look around there, you have Brees Hall, there are question marks with him right now with uh, the Dalvin Cook flirtation that the Jets are having. They have Kenneth Walker. We talked about the concern there. Travis Etienne, is he going to be pushed into a primary receiving role with the Tank Bigsby and Dearness Johnson there? So start to have those questions creep yeah. in, right? These are not the workhorse backs. I mean, you feel maybe that cutoff could be as early as uh, Tony Pollard at that spot, or you look at Stevenson or Harris, depending on what happens with those backfield, you might even feel a little bit worried about Harris, right? If it, you think Jalen Warren is going to have a big role. So that's what you have to weigh is like, okay. But then you look, Chris Olave, Mark Andrews, Devonta yeah. Smith, Jalen Waddle. These are some of the guys that are going around these players. Again, you have to say that. Would I rather have this certain situation where this person's going to get the ball a lot? Or do I want to go to this situation where there's competition, there's durability risk, right? And there's all these volatile things that are happening here. So that's the other thing is running back seems to have more attrition than any other position. So you have to consider that. So it's, it's a balance, right, Michelle, you want to invest in it, but don't invest too crazily where you get stuck with a bunch of injured guys and then you're weak at the other positions as well. Yeah. And I think that goes perfectly into our quarterback strategy. You're just saying like there is a, a pretty big drop off once you get past the Najee Harris's and maybe like Joe Mixon, but those like, you know, who's going before those guys are the Mahomes and the Allens and Hurts. So you're giving up what, like one of the few running backs that we feel safe about this year to take one of those guys, but who's going after in, in that group of the RB dead zone, what we call where it's like so much worry about either injuries or splitting a backfield are the fields and the Herbert and the Lawrence's and Dak Prescott. So, or even if that's where you want it, we'll get into tight end soon, but maybe that's where you take a tight end instead of reaching on one early as well. Um, I think that plays into it a, a ton. So I agree where there does come a big drop off pretty quickly here at like the middle of the third round when it comes to running backs. So I, I do want at least one running back by that point. Yeah, and it really, you have to weigh your own risk tolerance, right? If you're a little bit of a gambler and say, oh, somebody's going to fall out of the trees and I'm going to find an RB2 later, that's fine. If you're a little bit paranoid and say, oh, I'm, I'm not comfortable going after the waiver wire, I don't want to battle people with uh, auction money and going after these players every week, 
and I want to set it and forget at this position, you could do that as well. It's just really your comfort level at the position. And really, again, all three strategies, the bottom line, can win you championships. You just have to do them in the right way. And you got to adjust to that in the waiver wire situation and going forward in your draft as well. We will talk about uh, how we consider tight ends in drafts here. Do we go early? Do we go late? Do we go middle at tight end? We'll do that in our final segment here. Again, welcome again to Locked On Fantasy Football, your destination to become the smartest fantasy football player in your league. We're part of Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Every day we'll we'll bring you the insight you need to dominate your draft, and we'll be here all season long. Michelle is here uh, to help uh, you through the season as well and uh, going forward. So really excited to have her, and uh, we think uh, bigger and better things are here for the show. So stick with us, and we'll give you – insight you need to be the best fantasy football player out there in seasonal and DFS as we go forward. All right, Michelle, it's time to close the show and look at our tight end draft strategy. So what do you think about tight end? Uh, The one thing I'll say quickly is that Travis Kelsey, every time he's on my team, I have a very good team. And I did it last year. I said, I'm locking into Travis Kelsey. You you talked about the turn and late. I said, I'm going to get Travis Kelsey at 10, 11, 12, no matter what. If he's there, I'm jumping on him. I'm not looking back. And it turned out I won a championship because I had Kelsey on my team. And you look, if you look at that uh, tool on Yahoo, it's very good to look at. Here's the players on winning teams and look at how many playoff teams are the records and winning percentages of this team. Travis Kelsey's up there. So how do you uh, approach tight end? And are you a big, I got to get Kelsey if I can in every league? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to tight end, I basically have three ideas how I'm going to go about it this particular season. So if I end up having one of those middle first round picks and Travis Kelsey's there, I'm I'm taking him, right? Like the difference between him and the tight end two last year was a hundred fantasy points. He scored a hundred fantasy points more than any other tight end, but it's not just even that it's, he had 12 games of 15 plus fantasy points last season. No other tight end had more than six, so he had doubled the amount. But it was also tied for the six most such games among all positions, including quarterbacks. So only Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, and CMC had more games of 15-plus fantasy points than Travis Kelsey last year. So it's not even just about, oh, he's a tight end and that position's so hard to find, that's why he's a value. He's a value by if he was just a wide receiver, like he's a good pick. So uh, he's a... He's just such a difference maker for your team. And I did not have a fantasy squad last year with Travis Kelsey on it where I was not one of the best teams in the league. He just is a cheat code. So I'm either going with him in the first round or another option. I I would consider TJ Hawkinson if he ends up falling a little bit past his ADP. And I'm sitting there and if I'm looking at like on the board and it's like Kenneth Walker, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, like guys, I'm not really super interested in. That's a perfect time to take a tight end. You're like, I'm not really feeling it with any of these. I think TJ Hawkinson can be very good this year with his targets. I think Mark Andrews is going a tad too high for me. Uh, I think Hawkinson and Andrews could score similar points this year. So I'm on the Hawkinson side. If I don't do those two things, I'm just punting. I'm punting. I'm waiting, and I'm taking like a Dalton Schultz or a Greg Dulcich late in my drafts. 
Yeah, I've had some success with Mark Andrews as well. He wasn't as uh, proficient last year in relation to Kelsey, but we know a couple of years ago, I think by average scoring, he actually scored more than Kelsey because he was scoring all those touchdowns a lot with uh, Tyler Huntley at quarterback. He really came on strong and, and lit it up there, but uh, we know a lot, some things didn't go his way last year and maybe not as attractive this year, right? The Ravens have really revamped their passing game, added a bunch of receivers here, and Isaiah Likely's there, so maybe not automatic to dominate targets the way that Kelsey will, especially when you look at, okay, Kelsey's there. Last year was no Tyree Kill. Now they've moved on from Juju Smith-Schuster, and right now Rasheed Rice looks like their best receiver. So that says Kelsey's going to dominate again. And I do agree with you on Hawkinson. I think this is a player, maybe people are looking at the Lions version of TJ Hawkinson, but this is the Vikings version. And keep in mind, Adam Thielen is gone, and they're going to need a red zone target. Somebody works in the middle of the field. Jordan Addison needs to stop stepping on the accelerator and put things together here on the field. You got KJ Osborne. Have you really seen him do ex- do much except a few games? So I like Hawkinson. Right now, his ADP and half point PPR is at forty, which is pretty good, right? Yeah, it's uh, right there past the third round in the fourth round. So and you look at some of the players there. It's that dead zone, right? Look at the running backs going right around him: J.K. Dobbins, Damian Pierce, Joe Mixon. No. I'm going for Hawkinson here at this spot. So I don't know what you do in the middle, though. I think that's a big question, right? Are you interested, uh, Michelle, in like the Dallas Goddard and Kyle Pitts type of uh, tier, even including Darren Waller? Darren Waller is interesting because when I'm looking at a tight end, I very much want a guy that's in an offense that – I know I said I like TJ Hawkinson, and they do have other – playmakers but when i'm looking at a tight end deeper in drafts i want a guy that could potentially be the top target for his team because i think that's kind of where you find steals later in the draft at the tight end position and then darren waller could do that i mean yeah the giants have a lot of wide receivers they have a lot of slot wide receivers that kind of all have the same exact skill set it's very weird but at the same time there's no wide receiver you can point out and be like he's going to dominate and target Darren Waller could very, very likely be the top target for the Giants. I think, it A, it comes down to his health because he's had trouble staying healthy lately. But Darren Waller is actually a player I keep getting higher and higher on as we get closer to the season. So I could definitely see myself talking into taking him if he starts slipping a little bit in the draft. If I'm not loving the players around him when I'm trying to decide who I want, I'm like, Maybe I'll just take Darren Waller here. So that's a that's a really good point. I think he's kind of the only one though I like in the middle rounds. And after that, like I, I do think the Dalton Schultz of the world and the other guys we've talked about being values uh, on Monday for tight ends can do just as much as uh, you know the guys you can find in the middle rounds. Yeah, I think uh, you also have to consider at that point, you don't have too much of an advantage, right? I mean, those tight ends are very similar. So you're not going to have a big advantage in that particular position. You're going to count on making up that Kelsey-like difference with other positions, right? That's what you have to look at. When you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at him, okay, I got a wide receiver one. So it's okay if my tight end produces like a wide receiver three, right? That's essentially what you have to consider. And it's very interesting to see with – Travis Kelsey, I just don't expect a drop off, right? I think you can just keep going with it. I don't think there's a sign of that just yet with him. He keeps himself in great shape. And the other guy that uh, we already talked about how you're avoiding George Kittle. I'm not interested in Dallas Goddard. 
What do you think about Kyle Pitts? Is he a post-hype sleeper? I know he's coming off the knee injury. I'm not sure what you can get from Desmond Ritter. I think that's the biggest concern here. And Drake London also figures to maybe be the top target there. Yeah, with Kyle Pitts, it's so hard because we all know he's super talented. And he could be great if he gets the targets. The issue is, what does he have, like, two receiving touchdowns in his career three I think he has three receiving touchdowns off the top of my head uh and so it's like will those increase I know it's really hard to predict touchdowns and he's a huge body he should be scoring more touchdowns but the Falcons run the ball so 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 much and then they did that last year with Tyler Algier and um Huntley that was right I'm getting that correct um then they go and draft Bijan Robinson with in the first round and it's just like they didn't even really need to do that because they have so many holes but yet they take a running back so early in the draft there's no way that they're not just a run heavy team especially with Desmond Ritter who I expect to be better because we did see him get better with every performance last year every start but there's no way they're going to lean on him I think the focal point of this offense is going to be the run game so if you have Drake London there being the top target Kyle Pitts should definitely you know, be the second target, but is there enough in that offense to go around for Kyle Pitts to be a reliable fantasy tight end? I'm not sure. And he's already, he bit fantasy managers in the butt so hard last year. I can't, I don't think I could do it again. And he's not going low enough for me to feel safe about it. Yeah. So I think what we're circling to here is there's three clear targets, right? Kelsey early Hawkins, a little bit down and Darren Waller in the middle. I mean, it's hard to really go too deep, and uh, Dalton Schultz late. Uh, you mentioned him as well, so look at him, and I uh, particularly like uh, Chiga Conquo still with uh, DeAndre Hopkins there, so those are the kind of guys you're targeting. We said we're not thrilled about Cole Komet uh, as much, or Greg Dolchich that we had mixed feelings on, so it's hard. You're just not going to be guaranteed to get that reliable tight end, but when you get too deep, just look for the waiver wire. There's always a tight end that emerges that we don't expect that's going to be there. That's going to give you every week value. So that's that too. When you get too deep, then you can just find guys later and you can solve that position somehow because you're not getting big returns from that late guy anyway. So you can just wait for the waiver wire. So I think uh, that's a good overall approach here. Now, Shell, there's some leagues, unfortunately, that still use kickers. And I I do like defenses, though. I do like having that element. It's a little bit of a wild card, but I think you also have to consider that it's an important position, right? I mean, you can get some points out of it. It adds a little bit layer of strategy to the game where you're streaming or trying to find that every week breakout defense. So how do you approach those two positions uh, once uh, you've filled out the rest of your roster? I actually uh, typically – I wait – to take both of them towards one of my last picks in the draft. It doesn't always mean you have to wait till the very last pick. Sometimes with defense, if I'm feeling like one defense is really going to break out and it's not one of the top teams going, um, I'll maybe use my second to last pick on them. I really like streaming defenses though. I'm not going to use an early pick. I'm being like, Oh, um, I need to get the San Francisco 49ers because they're such a good defense. It's like, no, because they're going to end up in bad matchups and you're not going to know what to do. Just stream the position. With kickers, take one that's on a good offense in a dome. We're going to be playing in good weather. And uh, with a coach that doesn't go for it on fourth downs and you're golden. Justin Tucker has never finishes the kicker one in fantasy. You don't need to reach on him just because of how good of a kicker he is. 
Yeah, and I'm looking at the ADPs here. You talked about the 49ers. Their ADP is around 130. So looking at 11th round for them in no, draft. No, do not do that. Do not yeah. do that. I'm telling That's you, like, I know I'm telling you to go into it with a, a, you know, not a set mindset, but do not take the Cowboys or the Eagles or the 49ers defense in the 11th, 12th round. Don't do that. They're going to play teams like the Chiefs and the Bengals and re- the Eagles, like really good offenses. And then you're going to be screwed because you're not going to pick up a second defense. That would be silly. And I think there's also less and less offenses where, oh, that team is going to be bad. And yeah. we're going to attack them. There's less and less of those stream matchups, uh, which uh, might say, okay, then streaming is more difficult. But then you would also say, why do I want to invest in any particular defense too high? Well, I can load up on depth on my team. It's also interesting. I don't know how this is playing out, but Justin Tucker's average draft position right now is at 140. So like in the 12th round, somewhere there, that is way too high for me. I have a strict policy, Michelle. If I'm in a league with a kicker and I still have one of those leagues that I have as a kicker, if I use a pick before the final round on the kicker, I'm embarrassed. Like I will never do it. I just cannot do it because I'm just going to find a kicker and I'll find a kicker that I think can score in week one. And that is one of my weird strategies that I do is here. I look at the defense and kicker. I'm looking for week one. And I just say, I need somebody to get me the points I need to win my matchups to start one and oh. And then I can look at the waiver wire. I can dump this kicker. I can look elsewhere. Another thing I do like about uh, targeting a kicker is the range, right? If you have bonus points in your league for 50 yarders and the, those type of field goals that are long bombs that you get five versus three, look at the scoring and go after that guy that has the range versus guy that's going to knock home a lot of 35 yarders. But you also have to look for the accuracy, right? You want to have the attempts. If you can get 30-plus field goals from your guy, that's very good. So that's what you're looking for, that the opportunities, like you mentioned, players uh, that are going to kick in the red zone on fourth and short and uh, take advantage of those opportunities, not uh, kickers or just booting extra points or just getting off the field on those fourth downs. So a lot of interesting uh, strategies we look forward to here as we go through our drafts. And one thing, Michelle, I think you would agree on is the best way to get into our draft strategy for a particular year and a particular draft position is practice, right? Use mock drafts to get in it as much as you can, understand what people – are doing so you know what people might do in your league for real you need to be mock drafting uh, a, a good thing too to um, get into his best ball leagues maybe put down a few dollars on the on the draft so you don't have to set those lineups throughout the year but it's kind of like a paid mock draft but you can make money at the end of the year uh but if you're if you don't know about best ball look into that because it's a great way to practice before the season yeah, for sure. And uh, there's just so many ways to play fantasy now more than ever. And uh, again, a lot of information being thrown at you in a lot of places, but uh, you got to really hone in on your draft strategy. And we're going to help you do that here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. We have a lot more about who you should target and how you should uh, dominate your drafts and the more snake draft strategy. So a lot of good stuff coming up this month, including uh, we'll have a mock draft at one point for you here as we get closer to that time on Lockdown Fantasy Football. So Michelle, any closing thoughts here on draft strategies? No, I thought that was a good conversation. Uh, Again, just stay fluid in your drafts. I think that's the number one key. All right. For Michelle and for myself, Vinnie Iyer, Thanks for watching uh, and listening to Locked on Fantasy Football, and we'll see you next time with more draft strategy.
Bye, y'all.